You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 62 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the awesome Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great Val. How's it going? Good, good. What's new in the world of photography and post-production and clients and all that sort of thing? So it's been a week of uh, organizing and I've been um, doing location searches and I've also been uh, working a lot in post-production this week. So really uh, spending a lot of time in Lightroom. Okay. So I'm finding I can get probably like for the general stuff, I can get about 80% of my files finished in Lightroom. It really is mm. the wonder software. I do love it. You're a bit in love with Lightroom, aren't you? I am a bit in love with it, but I've also, um, just to throw a spanner in the work, I've, I've upgraded to the new Capture One Pro version 9, mm. and I never loved Capture One mm. up until now. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I didn't want this to happen. It's like <laughs> I'm having an affair with Lightroom now. Because suddenly this new, hotter, younger version of Lightroom has appeared. And with like, but it's a whole, like it's a whole new level. And like I love Capture One, Val. I use it exclusively when I'm um, shooting tethered. So when I'm on location, I've got my laptop. The files are being downloaded. I've got clients checking them out. I find Capture One faster and easier to um, pick the shots that you want and Mm. edit and all of that. It's like, but then I found that the editing in Capture One wasn't as great as Lightroom Mm. until now. It's kind of, it's got like, the, I could almost do 40% in Capture One, then bring it into Lightroom, then take it into Photoshop, which is like like over, overkill, but they've <laughs> all got these great things to do. So, um, but it's exciting. You're, but your, your loyalties are going to be... I'm torn because yeah. I'm a loyal person and Ooh. I really felt like bad. I had to <laughs> shut Lightroom down so that it wouldn't see what I was doing. Oh. <laughs> you know? And I could kind of, like the internal dialogue was, where have you been? Oh what have you, you been doing? Nothing. Just a few of our friends went out for a drink after work and um, <laughs> that was it. We didn't, no, nothing, nothing. I'm here with you. What do you, what do you want to do? Oh you know, do you have that with software? Do you like do, just no, feel guilty with software? When you pick no, 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 not I with humanize software. Humanize everything, Valerie. I humanize oh. everything in my life. 
No. That is an issue. (laughs) No, I feel like more so say if I go and buy basil instead of use basil from the yard, might feel a bit guilty there. Or when we used to have chickens and have eggs, if you ate, you wouldn't eat eggs outside because that would be cheating. Yes. You know. You'd feel bad. Mm. Yeah. All right. But not with software. Okay. All right. What's I do? What like your Would, famous term, Val? Whenever I've got a problem or a crisis, and I come to you, what do you say to me, Val? Get over it. I got you back a beauty though last week, didn't I? What happened? What did I do? What did you do? I kept saying you need like you live on the beach, Val. You oh, need yes. to be out there walking in bare feet. It's <laughs> really good for you. It reduces inflammation. It makes mm. you feel good. It sets you up for the day. And I get this text. Yes, I'm on the beach and no, <laughs> nothing's happening. I'm, I don't like it. And, and I sent you a text back going, oh, just get over it. <laughs> felt so good. Uh, oh, my God. Well, I tried again and I just, I don't understand. Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why you think it's so good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying there are other things that I could be doing. Do you know when you started doing um, curls for your biceps, uh-huh. you did one, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then you'd say to the, your personal trainer, not the one that was not very, not the one that you had ages ago that was that was a ridiculous relationship with that. <laughs> um, like if you did one, right, uh-huh. and then you'd say nothing's happened, uh-huh. just do one bicep and expect you know, a bicep curl and expect biceps, right? Yes, yeah, so at least a bicep curl takes like one second, whereas walking on the beach for half an hour takes 45 minutes. Yeah, but the benefits will flow on. You will notice it will build up, Valerie. You'll okay. see the difference. You're on the beach. It's okay. not that hard. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, session over now. perhaps we should move on over. to the world of photography. <laughs> hey? I understand that you've got an interesting link for us. Is that yes. right? So, um, Rod uh, Petsef. Petsef sent us this, and I think it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Snickers. it's so cool. Very clever. Snickers have made an ad out of Photoshop fails, and so uh, the ads are like uh, photo touches get confused when they're hungry. And basically, it's a, a shot of a, a, a girl in a mm. bikini on a beach, but they've deliberately added in a, like a whole series of uh, Photoshop fails. What was that game we used to play when we were kids, where you'd like have spot the difference or spot the mistake? Oh yeah. That's, like that so you've got to sit there now and look at the image and suddenly you're staring at an ad for ages mm. and like brilliant brilliant marketing on um on snickers's uh point isn't it don't you think yeah so basically you know it's a it's a, a photoshop fail they've turned photoshop fail into an ad where they've got snickers a girl in a bikini but there's all of these things that if you look carefully are photoshop fails which you do see from time to time in magazines and in this case you know she's got a 
her body is out of proportion. She's the handbag that she's holding has been photoshopped out, to, and she, you can see though that there's she's still holding onto the handle. There's someone's uh, uh, hand on her shoulder, that, creepy, yeah, which hasn't been photoshopped out. Her belly button has been uh, moved <laughs> a lot higher than it should be, and uh, it's it's true. You know, I worked in magazines, and um, the editor, and in my early days, I used to I'd be you know very wide eyed and until I realized it just became normal, which is not necessarily a good thing, but the editor would say, oh, she she never got rid of those thighs, did she? And the thighs would be made thinner. And, of course, then she, you know, their their eyes would be made wider or their lips would be made fuller. And, of course, Mm. all the hair would be um, photoshopped or airbrushed out and any lines on the neck would be, would be airbrushed out. So yes, it's uh, it's and sometimes it works really well, and sometimes they're big fails. But that's a really good link. We'll put the link Very in the show notes. Ad, I thought. Very clever. We'll put the link in the show notes, and you can find them at Gina Militia. That's M I L I C I A dot com. But we also have a photo, a fantastic photo, which we will put in the show notes from Beth Alexander. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, so Beth's uh, sent in a photo and a question. So basically, um, do you want to read out the, the question, Val? Yeah, it's a great photo of a gorgeous ginger kitten. And as you know, I'm very partial to cats. It's the most gorgeous kitten that she's uh, photographed against a white background. And the kitten's just looking up with these beautiful eyes. And Beth has said, I volunteer every week at my local SPCA by taking photographs of their animals in hopes that a great pro profile picture will help them find forever homes. This week I had the pleasure of playing with kittens. I decided that I wanted to try and build a little light box which I had placed inside an empty cage. It worked out pretty good but my edges can still be seen in the shot. I wonder if anyone had any suggestions on how I could fix this other than editing them out in post as I've done in the second picture. So she's given two examples and we'll put them in the show notes but the first thing I have to say is Bless you, Beth, for doing this, taking photos of these unwanted animals in the hopes that they will find their forever homes. I am just, you're an angel. Angel. I was close to tears. I I know, I am now. the sort of stuff, yeah, I know, that moves me. And it's like you think that, like, one person can't make a difference. But, like, we can. And it's like this is something that as photographers – we like even if you don't have money to donate to charities mm. stuff like this can really uh, help so many people or you know so many poor animals so yeah mm. a fantastic thing that she's done so what what beth uh, needs to be able to do i imagine is when she's like say she's going to donate a couple of hours or a few hours to go to the shelter she wants to be able to photograph as many pets as possible to get mm. those shots done and minimize her time in post production so that she can you know give give the 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 shelter as much you know bang for their buck as possible right mm. so um I would suggest to avoid having the the lines in the box is like maybe the easiest thing to do is just get a slightly bigger box. If that's Mm. not possible, uh, would it be possible, Beth, to create some sort of uh, psych uh, 
drama within the box that you make. And so basically you've got your box, which is great because uh, the white walls of the box are going to bounce light all around uh, inside and make the light really soft, which is perfect because you can photograph, you know, white, black, any kind of animal and it'll all look great. Mm. But inside the box, just to get uh, another sheet of paper and uh, mm. put it inside the box so that it looks like a seamless roll roll paper inside the box. And you can yes. a- actually maybe get um, really cheap. Uh, like we, when I was doing um, art school, we used to get uh, it was like a kind of a butcher's paper. It was it was quite thin, but there was like there there was you know there's different levels of paper that you can get, and there's there's some paper that you can get by the roll. That it, it's not quite going to be the heavy duty photographer's roll paper that we use, but it'd be perfect for this. No, I think she should get. Um, uh, so it's the thin cardboard because when you're dealing with animals, if yeah. the, if, if anything that's paper like is going to be, squished, oh, they might scratch. Yeah, it really, really it, easily. So, so you actually hard. need the thin cardboard that you use in school projects and that sort of thing. Yeah. I used to buy that a lot and create my own psych for yeah. product shots and. Um, and actually, just in case there's some newbies here, can you explain, psych is short for cyclorama, but can yep. you explain what it is, Gina, so, in case so there's some newbies? So it's basically uh, a setup that we create so that there are no edges. So like you can see uh, when, if you photograph uh, people in a studio where you've got the wall and the floor, you're going to get a line where the floor meets the wall, right? Mm. And so what photographers have created is they use uh, a continuous roll of paper. And we used to use all different colours now, not so much anymore, but mostly white now, so that there is no edge, there's no seam. And when we photograph colour, Cars, you can actually get studios that are shaped like an egg, so mm. there's no, no there's no roof line, there's no there's no walls, there's no edges, so that you can you can get photograph products and people in an environment that's completely seam free, so that nothing detracts from the product that you're photographing. Yes, so, so you can get this on a large scale for people, like three three meter, like nine foot wide. Um, pieces of paper that you could stand people on or you can get little mini ones for products or small smaller um, jobs like shooting kittens as well so like what you suggest Val is a great idea so the thinner card and you could probably maybe find a place that's soldered in bulk because I imagine that once you've got the kitty on the paper they might like be frightened and, <laughs> and make Oops. a mess or so so you I, I imagine you'd need to be maybe changing it every couple of pets depending on, on what you got. So that's going to give you – that's going to eliminate the seam going across the back in the mm. shot. The other thing, um, Beth, is if you could shoot with a longer lens if possible because basically when you shoot with a wide lens, it gives a wider field of view. So the lens on the camera is going to show more uh, information in the background, like a, a wider angle. But as you mm. get – longer and longer with your lens the field of view that the actual lens sees is narrower so so what you would have is if you shot this say if you had enough room to get back I'm assuming that where you're shooting if you could find a a room that you could get back a fair bit shoot with a very long lens Mm. then you could just zoom in just on the area um, around the kitten and you won't have that problem with the box that is a great idea so yeah. that's two things that, that would help. And, and ideally, 
you've set it up so that you can like keep the keep the pets in the same spot if you can <laughs> <laughs> the the pet wrangler but that that should help with your post production it's that that and and then you can actually set up and you know what beth i'm going to make you an action in lightroom awesome so that, so that you can um uh for your post production so based on this shot of the kitty the original so one cute. you given me i'm going to base it on that and i'm going to name it after you and then you can that that should save you time as well oh that's awesome so yeah fantastic advice gina makeshift psych and shoot long but brilliant and i can't wait to see the lightroom presets yeah 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 um and if you are interested in getting some lightroom presets just go to gina's website which is ginamilitia.com if you sign up for the newsletter then every month newsletter subscribers only receive a free lightroom preset or sometimes presets uh from gina but the only way you can get them is to sign up to the newsletter you can also purchase a power pack of lightroom presets from gina's website uh which you'll find at ginamilitia.com but let's move on. I hope you found that useful, Beth, because we think you're awesome. Yes. Um, let's move on and uh, give a shout out to Cree Will or Cry Will from the USA. And um, Cry Will has, I'm not sure, has, has given us a five-star rating on iTunes and has said loving it. And... They've said two things you need for a great radio show, relevant content and great delivery. You guys have completely nailed it and I've listened to my share of podcasts. I recently went through a complete camera system upgrade. I really wish I'd known about your show prior to this as I had to learn everything the old-fashioned way. 100% subscribed and can't wait to hear more. Chris from Atlanta. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. That's just brilliant. You've made our day. Yes. And if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because that really helps us in the rankings and we yeah. love hearing from you. But now let's move on to this week's topic, which is great. I love it because I love a bargain. Mm. <laughs> and, and I do find it difficult to spend some, a lot of, you know, significant money sometimes when photography is concerned on various cameras but also the the accessories so this week's topic is awesome it's called bargain hunter how to buy new and used photography gear and what to watch out for excellent excellent topic so gina this um this is great where do we start on this one so basically i want to talk about like like when you're buying gear, it's hard to know whether you want to buy, do you buy brand new, mm. should you buy used, like what, what do you do? And then what, what are the things like, because there are some dangers in buying used, there's also dangers in buying new and you don't want to be uh, ripped off as well. So I want to um, cover all those things, what to look out for so you don't end up with a lemon yes. or damaged goods. So mm. um but before we launch into it, I just want to talk about my sort of um, story behind buying gear. And I yeah. probably have touched on it, but maybe for some new listeners that are just coming in. My first camera that I ever had was actually a uh, an entry-level SLR that I borrowed from my older brother. He was mm -hmm. getting into photography and he let me use that to start with. So that was my first ever camera I hadn't didn't buy it the second camera that I bought was is your actually, is your brother a photographer now is no 
Okay. Little yeah. bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he does more on his iPhone. Well, he doesn't have an iPhone. He's got whatever, the another Samsung. another version of this, something like the air. He's always mm-hmm. got the latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a tech head. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's not – He's not. Uh, but he does work in the industry. So oh, does he? Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so um, the second camera that I got – and I had that camera for maybe uh, a couple of years and it, it got me my foot in the door. So I was using an entry-level camera mm-hmm. with, a, like, I think he had a Sigma lens. And then mm-hmm. I bought myself a second-hand uh, Nikon was my first camera and mm-hmm. I used that Sigma lens with that for quite a while. The third camera that I bought, bought Val, was mm-hmm. still a second-hand body. Wow. I bought that in New York on a trip oh. and it was a... a, a uh, a 645 medium format camera mm. and I think I bought like a couple of lenses with that and then I got my uh, my fourth camera was when I bought a new one right. so it took me ages to to work my way but having said that I've never had a problem buying second hand yes never and I've always found that because I wanted good quality gear but mm. I couldn't afford to to shell out the bucks Mm. because it's expensive, but I was still managing to find high-end pro-quality cameras at entry-level prices, and Mm. so I do love a bargain. So um, when it came to lighting, Val, Mm. I actually hired lights for a long time before I bought a kit. So a lot of the studios that I was working out of had lights that I was able to hire as part of the package. Mm. So that saved me a lot of money for a long time. And then when it came time to biting the bullet, I bought my lights brand new and I waited for a – a show, a, f- a photo show, mm-hmm. like when you, you go and you check out and there's, there's always, they offer the deals. Great, great deals. Yeah. So, you know, there was an, an offer that was too good to refuse. So I bought and I had that light, three lights that I bought. I had that set for uh, the last one just carked it. Really? <laughs> it about 23 years. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And they were they were great lights. They were the old school Elinchrom. So because mm. um, we're mostly going to talk about um, – cameras and lenses in this show, Val, Mm. but just to touch on with lighting quickly, if you're looking at lighting and you want to buy studio lighting, I would, and you want to buy secondhand, I would look at uh, some of the older versions, uh, unless you want to get the really whiz-bang battery-operated lights, then I'd probably recommend some of the newer ones that are expensive. But if you just want some great studio lights, some of the old school Elinchrom lights that are built like, you know, the old cars, like the old Holdens and the Fords, mm. that they're, they're, they're built with steel and they're just very basic in the mechanics. Yes. They're the lights you want to buy maybe as your first lights because repair is very cheap. Mm. And if you get a brands like popular brands, you're always going to find the parts. It's the same thinking when it comes to buying a car. Yeah. When you're thinking about like lighting, same thinking. Like because a lot of the new lights, like my new Elencroms that I have now, they're all digitalized. And if something goes wrong, oh, I wouldn't know what to do. Expensive yeah. repair, yeah. and you can't repair them yourselves. Where the older mm. light, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I can do myself to fix them and some of my assistants are being able to fix them. So there's just some um, like a, a few things to think about when it comes to maybe uh, buying secondhand lighting, but we could probably do a whole show on, yeah. on covering lighting down the track. So, mm. all right, so let's break it down. So when you're thinking about um, buying new versus 
used. Mm. So a few things to think about. So there's there's some people that are just not comfortable buying anything used. Yes, my partner is one of them. Oh, so Peter wouldn't buy it. Really? Yeah. He's he's just one of, he's into new. Yes. He likes it new. So, so it's just a, 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 like it can be a personality type. Like some people love their food spicy. Yeah. Like it, you know. So if you are not comfortable buying used, don't buy new. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like my mum as well. We talked about this last uh, week on the show, refuses to buy anything um, secondhand. Yes. Everything has to be new. So, but like having said that, you do get more bang for your buck. Yeah, for sure. Used like you, you get um so much more. But when you buy new, um, you're going to get a warranty that comes with the product. So you get that security that you've got this new item. If something could go goes wrong in the next one to two years, you can buy extended warranty. And I actually recommend. You do purchase the extended warranty when you're buying like a big ticket item. So mm. if you're buying a pro camera, seven, $8,000, it's worthwhile getting that extra year or two mm. in case something goes wrong. The other thing that's great about buying new, if you're buying in a shop front, like in a real shop, mm. <laughs> we have to say this, we have to qualify. Yeah, real shops. A real shop or the one, you know, in the air somewhere out there <laughs> is the service that you mm. get. So you've got the opportunity to walk into the store, um, check out all the cameras, ha- have a play with them. But if you if you meet a great um, salesman in your local area and, and have a connection with a, your local camera supplier, mm. that can be a great thing, especially if you're a newbie starting out because they have great information. Mm. They know about everything, and they they'll they'll like suggest stuff that you never even considered in the past. So, like I remember when I bought my second hand first camera, I bought it from a camera store where they had second hand gears, and um, the guy Max that was helping me out was like just had so much information, and and he sort of became a mentor to me mm. in terms of gear, and he would like. Like if I was looking at a certain lens, he'd go, "No, that's rubbish. That's no good for you. You should look at this lens." And but but it was like in a really good way. He wasn't just trying to upsell. So yeah. consider that when you when you're thinking about where you're buying from and what you're buying. And if you're just starting out, like a relationship with a camera supplier can be a really great thing for you. Yeah, yeah, great idea. All right, so. When when you're considering uh, the model of camera or lens to buy, there, there's um, if you're th- there are certain people again Val that are the early adopters. They have to be the first one to get the first like version of something. Yes, it's new. Like, the iPhone, phone, this, that. Mm-hmm. They stand in line overnight to get the iPhone yes. and all that. But what I'm I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. I'm a wait and watch because. Mm. I've noticed over the years that when new technology comes out, it's great because it's like, oh, my God, this is so amazing, that's so amazing. But what happens is it's the second generation of that product Mm. where they iron out all of the bugs and the flaws that's actually really good. Right. But haven't you just read? The 5D was a great camera. Yes. The 5D Mark II was so much better. Right. Right? And the 5D Mark III, better again. Right. Because they got rid of all the flaws. It, it, same with the uh, the Canon 
1D, which is the full frame pro mm. um, body, was an atrocious camera. It had problems with the focus, but then the 5D Mark II was fantastic because they fixed the problems. So all the early adopters, they hated the camera because mm. of that problem. So think about think about that when you're buying secondhand, maybe look at um, not get trying not to get the original model of a camera, get the version Mark II or yep. Mark III. Yep, yep. Great. But have, right. have you not just recently acquired a 1DS or a 1, what, what, what did you just recently acquire? I know, Val, but I had no choice. <laughs> I'm thinking. Huh? I bought 1DX, which uh. was the first of that generation of camera, but uh -huh. I had nowhere else to go. What I had no, mean? like, I, it was that or, or go over to Nikon. And, oh. like, I would be happy to go over to Nikon, but it's such an investment in lenses and everything. Oh, yeah, my God. And I'm so comfortable with my Canon. I can use it blindfolded, and mm. that's like another investment in time. So, mm. yeah, the new 1DX2 uh, has just come out as well, and apparently it's amazing. So, mm. look, okay. you, you'll ne it's never right. Like, as soon as I get my iPhone 6, the iPhone, what, what are we up to in iPhones? Oh, I don't even know. 6 something, 6, six I don't know. 6S or something. There's mm. always things. But, you know, it applies to um, – TV shows as well, Val. Like when a new TV mm. show comes out, the first season is good, but usually the second season is oh, really yes, good. Definitely. In everything. That doesn't apply mm. to movies. The first no. movie is great. The sequel, not so good. I'm thinking. Well, Rocky 2. Well, is, and Godfather are yeah, exceptions. You know. But Sex in the City was a good movie. Horrendous. Sex in the City 2. Horrendous. See? Mm. So it's like it's not across the board. Okay. <laughs> just I'm wanted to. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, because I've been re-watching um, Entourage at the moment. Ah, yes. It's sad when it's over. I'm up to about season six. I watch about two episodes a night. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, so where were we? I'm not sure, Gina. <laughs> so having said, we just mentioned the 1DX came out. It's yes. just come out. When, if you're looking to buy a new camera, when the uh, like the latest and greatest model comes out, that's a great time for everyone who's looking at cameras to buy the 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 pre model mm. or a the preceding model, model because everything suddenly is discounted because everyone wants the the new shiny one. And no one's interested in the, uh, you know. So when the 5D Mark III came out, Val, mm. that's when you got the 5D Mark, Mark II. II we yeah. got a deal on it. Great, Because yeah. everyone's like, no, no, I want the Mark III. Mm. But the Mark II, I know, is still a great camera. It's a great buy. Are you mm. being very happy with that camera? Very. Just, yeah. 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 So, like, waiting for those times... Is, is a good time to pounce as well. So just like you can um, subscribe to uh, like but like the major brands, Canon, Nikon, they all have like rumor forums. So if you're that mm. geeky and intent on a uh, on getting a, a bargain, subscribe to their forums and uh, and they'll you'll know when there's something about to come out and you can be ready. It's like well, if I look to buying in July when that model comes out, I should be able to pick up a bargain. Mm. 
Good. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing you want to consider when you're buying uh, gear is uh, who's going to service it. So it's not right. – you've got to be um, – you might find, like I found this when I bought lighting. So when I bought uh, my second set of lighting gear, found this phenomenal gear. It's Balkar. It's amazing. It's made in Germany. It's like the ants' pants of lighting. It was then, right? Amazing. Mm-hmm. But there was, like the guy that serviced it, the only guy in Australia actually passed away. Oh my! He was actually a dear friend of mine, and oh. like, and so that was sad as as well. But it's like suddenly everyone who had that gear lost, like couldn't couldn't get it serviced. I've still mm. got a couple of those lights, but I can't service them mm. ever. So I just have to wait for them to like fizzle out. I can still use them. Mm. So. It's again. There's there's a lot of uh, similarities in buying gear as there is to buying a car. So mm-hmm. if you're buying a car, you can probably use a lot of this information today. So this is more <laughs> than a photography podcast, Val. I've always said that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Some, so, sometimes so, it's a cooking podcast. Too. I know, but now we're giving advice on buying <laughs> cars. Let's just stick with photography. <laughs> when you're buying, if you stick to well-known brands. Not really going to get into trouble because they're mm. like easy to service. There's usually a lot of parts available. Spare parts aren't hard to find, and there's usually lots of people around that know how to repair them. If you buy something that's like really niche, 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 unique, this new brand on on the block, mm. find out where it can get serviced and what the cost is in servicing it because it's 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 really important. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Of course, then you might have situations like me because I get suckered in, right? And I don't have a problem really buying secondhand. Yeah. It depends what it is because my version of secondhand sometimes is different to what is potentially your version of secondhand because I get suckered into uh, antiques. Right. So I will go to a camera shop or a, you know, antique shop and get sucked in by the beautiful, yep. n- you know, 1920s whatever uh, camera. Is I don't even remember. What's Sorry? your Bunsen burner collection? What's your collection? The other one that you've got? That oh, is, is blow tor- torches. Oh, blow torch collection. That's it. Yeah, blow torches. I've given up on the blow torch collection. I only so, have, I gave away 45 blow torches. Yeah. Um, I, and I only kept, kept two. I understand. Have we worked out why you collect them? Well, I they're just beautiful. Yeah, but, okay. They're, they're beautiful. And with the cameras, I just liked the story behind the camera i think i can relate to collecting um antique cameras because they're Mm. beautiful yeah beautiful and you know some you you try to use them i tried i've got a antique leica camera which i've tried to you know put film in (laughs) well negative you know what i mean black and white and um and uh to varying degrees of success because then you know you you have to develop it Where did I get the Leica? I bought it overseas from like an antique, like a hole in the wall antique shop. Massive bucks for it? I can't remember. I mean, it wasn't cheap, but it, 
uh, I can't remember because it was um, it's it's stunning. I, They're I'll, beautiful. Yeah, abs- to, can you put a shot in the show notes? Just... I got to find it. It's here oh, in this house, but we haven't it unpacked. Be on display in a glass. I know, box. I know, I know. But oh, I will when I find it. Um, yeah. It's it's safely stored somewhere that I can't remember, and yeah. it's stunning. You know, with this leather case and um, all of these brass you know, fittings kind of thing and the old-fashioned um, focus and aperture and shutter speed and all of those. And um, it's was it has the insignia of the Luftwaffe, um, the German Air Force. Wow. Uh, and it's got an engra- the Luftwaffe engraved, um, you know, insignia engraved in it. So I'm just fascinated by the, the story behind it and whether it was used in the war by the Germans, obviously, yeah. and um, imagine Hans, the sort of things Hans's that it took. Hans's father might have owned Hans's it. Hans's father might have owned it. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We were talking about make sure you have a way to service it. No one was going to service that particular Leica camera is my, was my point. Yeah, no, there's people that do service like it. Well, there's possibly, old, but no one yeah, nearby. <laughs> yeah, no one nearby. Yeah, so there are some things to consider when you're buying the the new as opposed to the to the uh, used gear and where to look. And, like, uh, the other consideration is would you buy online or do you buy from the yeah. brick and mortar? And, again, like, if you know – if you know what you're doing and you're really confident when buying new, then go ahead buy online. I buy, I now buy all my gear online. I don't, mm. I don't um, buy from stores anymore. Mm-hmm. Could, uh, but and do you have but, a preferred supplier, Gina, that you're happy to share? So B and H is great. I would buy from Amazon if they let us. Well, I don't understand. Can someone explain to me why in Australia we can't buy off Amazon for certain gear? I don't think it's an no. Amazon restriction. I think it's potentially whoever the Amazon seller is. Oh, oh maybe it is an Amazon restriction. I'm not sure. Yeah, because there's like certain amazing bargains that I see through Amazon and they're like, we don't ship to to you, mm. to your region. So that's disappointing. B&H is fantastic. Um, Have you been to a... B&H in New York? Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, my it's an God. It's isn't just it? just got to go there just – even if you're not buying anything, you have yeah. to go there, right? It's fantastic. And mm. all those um, all those shops along along that – in that area are fantastic. It's it's just – it's like a, such a good experience. I'm sure New Yorkers are very familiar with B&H, but if you haven't been to B&H in New York, just do yourself a favour and go there simply for the experience. It is bizarre. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm. So, um, the the and you know what was interesting at B and H because it was so bizarre. I took my camera out to, you know, take a photo of all the goings on, because no. they've got this incredible, um, you know, this incredible system where whatever you buy gets delivered by this in- super um, complicated overhead sort of trolley conveyor belt system yeah, and it's systemized within an inch of his life. Anyway, I took my camera out and I got immediately shut down as if I yeah. was at like a rock concert or something. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just a very cool place to go. So, um, and B&H, Amazon, um, Digital World International is another one that I've used, but mm-hmm. like, you know, look for, um, I, 
I have a story of a friend who bought something online and they thought they were buying jeans from <laughs> um trying to think of the brand. They were very expensive jeans. Mm -hmm. They thought they were buying from that store, but it was actually um, hackers had made it look like that store and oh. you end up buying from uh, it, it's an, it, knockoffs instead. Oh, no. So they get delivered. It looks like the jeans and everything, but on closer inspection, it's like a, a $50 knockoff version and it wasn't even their website. Oh, my goodness. They just copied it exactly. Wow. And that goes on. So, you know, buyer beware, I guess, when you're buying online and look for the reputable ones and you look at the reviews, It's uh, you know, and um, make sure that they've got like uh, some, some form of warranty. I think paying by certain credit cards and PayPal protects you as well, but you do everything you can to protect yourself when yeah. you're buying online. And if you done your research and you know what you're buying, then, you know, go for it. I think it's so a great way to do it. stick with reputable sites. Definitely. I think, you you know, if it's something says like Big Al's cameras. <laughs> there know. might be a legitimate store in another part of the world called Big Al's cameras, you it know. Be, I mean, we've got Ted's. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound reputable, does it? Ted's. <laughs> it's so Australian, Valerie, sometimes. But we do but know it's, it's a, a reputable store. store. Incredibly reputable. It's a good place to buy. So um, shall we... Uh, Get into some what you should do when you. Yes. <laughs> go on, go ahead. <laughs> what um, should we look out for? Okay. So the first thing is do your research. It's pointless to say, I want to buy a camera. Which one? I'll buy the shiniest one, the one that looks the prettiest. That works for shoes <laughs> to a point mm -hmm. and certain other clothes. But like for cameras, I think the first step is to go into a physical shop and have a play around with cameras mm. and uh, or like if you see a friend who's good got a good camera mm. or you can hire a camera try them out and find the one that suits you best because like someone like I could rave about the like this Nikon that Canon and you'll get it in your hands and go I don't like it you know, mm. which it's, it's a matter of personal taste. Some cameras just suit your body, the way you shoot really well. Do the research. Get a baseline price. So, like, something like, I'll keep using this as an example, the 5D Mark II, because I know you've bought one, Val. Mm -hmm. um, like, they're around $900 to buy. That's the baseline. But you could get one for 7 You could get one for 1400 it depends but if you've got like if you know the sort of the baseline mm -hmm. then you know how you can negotiate and uh, work out your budget and and what you can get once you've worked out your budget stick to it then th th these are the steps I take in buying a new camera Val Shall yeah we go through them yes so basically I work out the 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 camera that I want Yes. I've tested it out. I know I want it then I've been to the shop I've, to, 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 I've to been, check it I've out done all that then I list all the stores that that stock that camera. Yeah. Okay. I ring uh, the probably I'll just randomly ring one and mm -hmm. I'll and I'll ask them to quote me on that camera. Yeah. The best price. Yeah. Then I'll ring the next store and I'll say, let's just say for the sake of argument, Dave's camera store quoted me a thousand dollars on this. I'll then ring Jono's camera store we'll mm -hmm. keep it australian all right mm -hmm. Jono's camera store hey Jono's, i've got a quote for this uh new camera they've quoted me uh 900 bucks 
what can you do? Mm-hmm. And they'll come back with 800 mm-hmm. okay? Then I'll take that price and I'll ring um, Richo's camera store <laughs> and I go, hey, Richo's, I've got a, I've got a, a quote, can you better 800 mm-hmm. And I'll keep going that way and then I'll go back to the first one. So Dave's going to do it for 700 can you do until they get sick of me. Okay, lessons in negotiation from Gina right. Melissa. Uh-huh. Yes, and then when when I've got the price, then I start getting, then I want add-ons, okay? I mm-hmm. always want to go away. So same as buying a car. When you buy a car, you want the free mats. You want, the, um, you want them to throw in as much as possible, which they'll do to get the sale across the line. So same again. I'm like, well, can you give me a free a spare battery? Can I have some memory cards? Can I have the strap? And I'll just keep going again till they get sick of me. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> you want to get as much bang for your buck. Yes, So that's for how sure. I buy a camera. <laughs> okay. First, you can get a lot off that way. And then the, the trick, you don't ask, you don't get. This also works for mattresses as well. What? Get, yeah, when you're buying shopping for mattresses, like they're so overpriced, it's not funny. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Go to the – there's usually a homemaker centre where there'll be five of them in a row. Yes. You start at the first one and you work your way to the last one. By the time you've got to the last one, you should have, like, been able to knock off, you know, a considerable amount of money. You see, you should have been there to coach my partner when we recently bought our mattress because I said that's what we should do. Did you and, pay the price? Well, we did by doing the sales. Yeah. But, yeah, they, I said, yes, let's go to the next one and see what the price is. Let's go to the next one. And yeah, he couldn't be bothered. Ridiculous. And Ooh. I just got a tip on the sales from an insider that said to me, the Christmas sales, which mm. are probably the biggest of the year, don't go on the first day. Mm. Wait three or four days in because they get even better. Oh, good. Okay. It's a great tip, I thought. At least, yes, I don't do that. I don't go on the first day because I can't handle the crowds. Yeah. So. But, yeah. So the trick is don't be afraid to negotiate mm. and don't be afraid to play them off against each other. And, like, I ha- I will ask for a percentage off for everything I buy, maybe except for the coffee I buy regularly. but. Mm. You- Probably get a discount if you ask for it. That would be and pretty cheap if you're asking your coffee. Yeah, I too. know. So, but I don't. But whenever I buy anything, anything, I'll always ask for a discount. Is that your best price? What's your best price then? And it works at the Apple Store as well. I got ten percent off. Oh, well done. So you don't get, you cannot get a discount at Apple. I got it. Well done. And then so, you just get addicted. <laughs> apart from your great negotiating skills, can you perhaps share with us some of the things, especially when we're buying secondhand, yep. some of the things that we need to look out for? Do you, because it sounds like you have a system with your negotiation. Do you have a system like a checklist or some questions that you always ask or, you know, something like that so that we know that we've got our bases covered? Okay, so we're now buying secondhand, Val. Yes. The first uh, thing, so now I'm assuming that if you're uh, buying secondhand, ideally um, try and buy something that local to you that you can mm. go physically look at the item or yep. at the very least if you're buying online that you that there's a returns policy just in right. case they haven't um, 
shared all the information necessary. So make sure that you, the first thing you need to do is check out the person you're buying from. So like Mm -hmm. say you're buying on off eBay or Craigslist or Gumtree or something like that, there's usually a rating of the buyer. So you can, you can look at their um, positive and negative ratings and, and like if they've got like 50% negative where people have complained that the goods weren't at, were weren't what they advertise and things like that, you probably steer clear of those. But if they're gen- they look like genuine sellers, then, you know, that's okay. But I, I, I recommend that you can you can go and physically hold the camera and look at it. That's that's kind of the ideal or the lens um, so that you can do the following things. Um, All right. Uh, so we're, we're there. We're physically holding it. Now, what are we looking at? So the first thing is uh, trust your gut when you're asking and, and, and getting these answers. So it, 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 it's usually never wrong. So the, the questions I like to ask, the first question is, so what was the camera used for? Mm, and, and like, so is it like you might get a genuine bargain? There are a lot of people that, that say, I'm going to be, uh, I want to be a photographer. I'm going to buy all the gear and, uh, you know, and it turns out that, at the end of the day, there's something else, there's another distraction and or they find another hobby that they like better. There's a lot of people like that. I've got a motorbike outside, Val. My little crisis out there is an example of someone who's just decided that they want to do something. But who uh-huh. knows, in a year, I might go, I don't want to do it anymore. And yes. then suddenly that's going to be that bargain, right? So yes. that's that's a really good question, but it's not going to happen. I love Stella so okay. much, Val. I love her. Okay. Um, so what was the camera used for? And you want to get an honest answer. And, and don't be discouraged if they turn around and say, I'm a pro photographer, because that to me is encouraging news, I think, because a pro photographer, I believe, will look after the camera because it's their tool of their trade and it's likely to be kept in a camera bag with the lens cap on, they're not going to leave it lying around without a lens, without a, a body cap and things like that. And they're, they're not going to probably drop it or knock it around as much. So um, mm. that's why it's good to ask that question. But then again, if you're with the person and they're saying that they're a pro photographer and you're looking at their car and it's got like a million dings in it, there's holes in the wall mm-hmm. and like, you know, there's guff everywhere, then then maybe they're not looking after their gear as well as they could be. So you could, that's where you kind of need to trust your gut mm-hmm. as well. Um, another really important question is like, where has the camera been stored? Has it been kept in a case uh, you know, is it being stored inside, you know, or is it uh, going to be stored somewhere that's uh, like just out in the open where it's mm. uh, going to be, uh, you know, the elements could uh, affect it in some way. So that's a good question to ask. Another really good question is, are you the first owner? They could be the fourth owner. Yeah. Of you know, like your Leica, you're probably not the first owner of that. Uh, yeah, obviously. You had 17 <laughs> owners, but, you know, so the older the camera gets, you, you don't know the entire history or how well it's been treated. So you, you probably want to get one that you're that, that they are the first owner and then they, they know the history. Mm. And then why are you selling the camera? Mm. 
you know, why are you selling it? And if the, if that's a like a dodgy that, that they're trying to do, oh, it's not mine. I'm selling it for a friend. Then it's kind of the, like that's the kind of answer that you go. I don't know. Is it stolen or it's a, a bit of a dodgy answer? But like the genuine reason for selling a camera is I've just upgraded. I've got the next model. I've got mm. the next best thing. You know, so that that's so it could be or I I I bought a motorbike instead. <laughs> no, so there there's some really good questions. Another one, and this is like maybe in the preliminary set of questions as you're emailing each other before you've um, you know made the five five train changes to get to their place, which is always it's never easy to get to when you're buying secondhand. Mm. But ask the question: Are there is there any mould, scratches, mm. chips, or you know, or dents in the lenses? Yeah. Okay. Um, and they should answer honestly. And most websites now, when you're selling secondhand, you have to list. You don't have to, but the good bot, the good sellers will list any defects or or anything that's wrong with it, and they'll show you in photos. So it's mm. all there. But if they haven't, just ask the question. Anything I should know? And sure. Hope that they answer honestly. And then the 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 last one to ask is uh, how many shutter clicks. Now, yes, now, please explain this because I do have a certain level of understanding of this, but I think it I could do with another explanation and I'm sure some of our listeners can as well. So I've called it shutter click spell mm-hmm. because that's what it is, but there's a fancier word and it's called actuations. Yes. And so when the shutter clicks, it actuates. Okay. So they call it actuation. <laughs> so if you're ever on a website looking for a camera and it's like you want to sound a bit like in the know, mm-hmm. you ask the question, well, what are the actuations? And most people will go, huh? Yes. <laughs> so the reason we ask this question, it's it's very similar. Again, I'm bringing the car analogy in, Val. It's, it's like how many Ks has it done? Or, or miles. Per... Or how many miles per hour has the car gone? Because Not miles per hour, miles in total. Yeah, miles in total because mm. the shutter in a camera has a lifespan of a certain number of shots before it keels over. Now, this there's it's roughly this number, but basically an entry level will last about 50,000 clicks. Mm-hmm. A mid-level will last about 100,000 clicks. And I'm talking about the actual shutter, the thing that opens and shuts on the camera. Not the whole camera, but the shutter. But once the shutter's gone, there's people that believe it's not worth keeping the camera, which I'll touch on in a sec as well. And a professional can last 200,000 shots. Now, this is going to vary depending on how the actual camera was used. Now, if someone had an entry-level camera and they've just every week gone to book club, <laughs> taken a photo, mm-hmm. click, and that's it, mm-hmm. that shutter is probably going to last a lot longer than someone who had the same camera and has gone out every day and photographed like um, motor racing where they just have it on high speed. Yeah. That's going to wear it out. The ca- if the camera smokes as well, Val, smokes. it's going to go a lot. Yeah, it's going to go a lot quicker. <laughs> uh, so basically, you know, we can say that the lifespan of an adult is uh, eighty-five or ninety years old. But if that person looked after themselves, 
and did all the right things, they're going to live a lot longer. It's the same. The same can be said. So I want to ask, let's say it has 200 actuations or shutter clicks. 200 only? Sorry, sorry, 200,000 or 50,000, whatever the limit is. What happens after that point? What happens after 200,000? Does your camera die? Okay, so (laughs) I had a 1DS Mark II, which was two cameras ago, and Mm -hmm. I – use that I because I'd like an average shoot for me is about 3,000 frames now yeah. I'm not shooting at high speed it's click 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 but I shoot volume mm-hmm. so eventually it just wore out and it and so it 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 dies mid it'll just that's it it stops it's like it just dies it actually yeah. dies so you can't yeah so you got like no shutter anymore and your camera seizes up but I then yeah. took that to the camera clinic, um, which is a great place in Melbourne where I get my cameras repaired, and I had the shutter replaced. It cost me about $400, and suddenly it's good as new. So it's like having a heart attack and then you get it replaced with a pacemaker or something. No, or... no, because that's you're keeping the old heart and oh, yeah, right. jump start every time. It's like yes. having a heart transplant, Val. Yeah, right. Mm, okay. Or the motor seizes and you get a new motor for your car, basically. So it's mm-hmm. the shutter. You get a new shutter. So if you're buying a professional uh, like camera, which can be around seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars, mm. I don't think that spending another four hundred on a new shutter is a big deal. So if you're looking at picking mm. up a bargain at the top end and you're looking at something like I just sold my 1DS Mark III Val uh, mm. uh, like uh, about a month ago mm. for $950. It mm. was 9000 when I bought it. Wow. New. And I was very upfront. It, the shutter hadn't gone, but I was I was pretty confident it wasn't far away and I was pretty yeah. confident I was at that 200,000 clicks. And I said that to the buyer and I said that in the ad when I put it in. The shutter's probably about to roll over, I'm just warning you. Um, and uh, the guy that bought it was well aware of the bargain he was getting because mm. the first thing he did was went and put a new shutter in it. Yeah, right. So for 1300 he got a really – he got a great deal. So mm. it's something to consider – if you're not sure um, how many clicks the camera has done or actuations, there are websites um, that you can use that, that can check off a JPEG. So there's one for Mac um, called Shutter Count, and I'll put the link in the show notes, and there's another one called uh, Camera Shutter Count right. where you can upload a um, – and I think Nikon actually has software that you can check – how many uh, clicks the camera has so they can easily check for you. Canon, you've got to take it into uh, Canon or a special repairer to check for you. But now there's these great apps that you can use that do it as well. So if, if you're not sure, do that. Yeah, um, awesome. All right. So the next thing you need to uh, have a look, look at the camera, check it for bingles. Again, like a car, uh, cosmetic I wear. I wonder if bingle, is bingle a word in, in the uh, US? Can our American listeners tell us? Translate? What, what's um, bingles? Dense? Dense and, um, Ding, you know, dense, dings. <laughs> um, you want to check for cosmetic. So, like, 
a little a few scratches on the on the body and some like wear and tear that's fine it just doesn't look as pretty as a brand new camera but it's not going to affect how the the actual camera works or the mm. lens works the thing you want to look out for a big dints like if you've got like a divot in the side of the lens <laughs> right, chances are it's been dropped from a mm. height and same mm. with the camera. If it's got like a big chunk missing, then it's probably not a good idea to buy it because you don't know what's been knocked out of place. So that they're the things that you want to check, okay? Mm. Um, if someone's saying that they only um, took this camera to book club on Sunday, <laughs> right, but you're looking at it and it's like worn around the shutter, the hot shoe where you slide the flash on and off is worn. You can see that the, the marks there, it's, it's worn, worn away the silver. You can see mm. that it's been used a lot. Then, then they're, they're, not, they're not telling you the truth. So you may, and, and the strap's a bit threadbare. That they're indications of high use, high wear. So they're trying to, they're trying to tell you that it's like newer than it is. Mm. So, you know, you sort of um, need to be aware of that. When you're going and actually you're there, I suggest that you take your laptop um, yes. memory card. If you're buying Great a camera idea. only and you already have lenses, bring a lens that you can test the camera with. But your own lens is better because you know it's going to work. Mm. And basically um, you can uh, test out all the gear uh, and make sure that it's working properly. Um, th some other, sorry, some other things to do as well is uh, check all the rubber seals are intact in the camera because that's what keeps it water resistant. Um, mm. And if there's rubber seals missing, then like if you're out and there's a little bit of rain and it gets in there, it could cause mould in your camera. Which where I'll are the about. rubber seals? Well, they they're all around the camera valve. So oh, just around the body. Yeah, at the side of your camera, mm. there, there'll be two little things that you can pull off and they've got like the USB connection Yes, point. yes. Oh, them. Right. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like mm. they they can fall off and get lost, but that means that water and moisture can get, get in there. And so it's not a good thing. So you want to make sure that they're all visible and you want to try and check that all the uh, USB ports um, and the hot shoe on the camera, it works as well. So it might be a good idea to bring a flash and um, maybe your, if you shoot tethered, the cord that you use to plug into the camera because sometimes they can get damaged, like they can be bent and mm. uh, broken. So you want to check those as well and they just uh, fail to tell you and you find out it's too late and that's an expensive repair. Um the other thing you want to be checking for, Val, is um, like the buttons and, and things like that are all working as they should be um, and test all of those out. So in terms of uh, testing out the gear itself, uh, you want to, if you've got the lens, the first thing you want to do is pick up the lens and hold it up to a light, like a desk lamp or a torch or something, and uh, op uh, shine it through the lens. So you mm. want to check for mostly chips and scratches. Mm. Uh, you're going to always see, no matter, even if it's a brand new lens, little like minute particles of dust, they're not going to matter. They won't affect the quality of your shot. Little light dots, not going to matter. Don't worry about that. That's normal. But scratches and um, and um, ch chips, a chip in the lens is no good. It's like that's just makes it not worth buying. Okay. But want to avoid those. And the other thing you want to check for is uh, mould 
on the knee. So mold oh, is you, you mean while you're holding it up to the light? Looking for mold, yeah. So okay. Because, um, now it's not something that our lenses really suffer from in Australia because we're more of a, a, a dry, drier, mm. warmer climate. But uh, people that are like sort of living in colder climates, where uh, say that they've been shooting with the camera outside, it's been really cold and uh, it's gotten wet, and then they've put it away in a, in a cold and damp environment, then mould grows. And what happens is that the mould actually, the way that it reacts with the coating of the lens is it can take away the coating of the lens. Mm. And those little mould spots actually grow, Val. Gross. And they spread. Yeah, gross. So you get a mouldy lens and bring it home and put it in with your other family of lenses... That mold's going to spread to all your other lenses. Yeah, it will not. Huh? It will not. How's it spreads? It can spread to another lens. Spread to another lens, like chickenpox. <laughs> so, and you can't really get rid of it. Like you can, but it's like a hassle. So you probably just want to avoid buying a mouldy lens. So that's one that's crucial. That's why you ask the question before you buy. If it's got mould, then probably avoid it. It's good on cheese, not great on lenses. Certain cheeses. Do you like mouldy cheese? You like that blue cheese? Uh, I do. Ooh, Very I much so. Don't like it. Love it. No, nah, I've got like an aversion to mould. Not, not a fan. <laughs> So the the other thing that like if you've got these mouldy spots on the lens, like what, what I said before, that little tiny dust particles aren't going to affect the quality of your lens. But if you start getting like mould spots, you'll get like spots on your photos that aren't as sharp mm. as, as 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 a like a clean lens, and or you'll get like extra like lens flare and things like that from from the mouldy spots. So it's not it's not a good thing. <laughs> moldy lens. Okay, yes, avoid mold at all costs. Um so that you can check with the 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 torch or a light. Um don't do it in the sun cuz it magnifies and you'll probably damage your eyes. Ow. So yeah. The next thing you want to check on your lens is you make sure that the uh both the autofocus and manual focus are working. So basically mm-hmm. uh probably the easiest way is like you could photograph the person you're buying from, okay? Mm-hmm. And take a shot um maybe of their eyes so that you can see that the like the actual eyelashes are pin sharp. So anywhere where there's really fine detail, um, mm-hmm. if they don't want you to do that, then ask the question, you don't want to be photographed. There's something I should know. Are you dodgy? <laughs> you know? But um, the other thing is just get a, um, is dodgy also an Australian word? We need to almost have, um, subtitles for this whole episode. <laughs> about. Um Get a piece of uh, like newspaper or a magazine and and take a shot of that, and that's really easy to check if if it's sharp or not. You can t- tell that the text is pin sharp or it's a bit out of focus. So that's how you check both in manual and autofocus. Mm-hmm. The other thing you want to look out for with uh, the zoom lenses is as they get older, that the actual mechanism that you know you zoom from wide to long gets mm. loose, like the like you know when you the steering on a car yes, as yes. it gets older gets loose as well. So that and and you get something called lens creep, which 
you won't notice if you just hold the camera up and just take a photo, say, of like a person, the way you normally would. The way mm. you'll notice lens creep is if you, say, try and take a photo of the ground where the camera, the lens is pointing straight down. Mm. You've got it like um, uh, pulled right back to zoom, mm. right? And you try and take the photo and then you notice that the lens is slowly going out of zoom into 40 mil, 50 mils because it's dropping. Right. It's locked up. That's yep, yep, the best yep. way to check it because you don't want that. So um, It's like when if you get, you get yeah. saggy when you get older. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lens creep. It's like the same thing happens. Like, you know, you're in the shower, you're going, what's that? My leg. Oh, it's my butt. <laughs> okay, lens so, creep. But the Good way like, to remember it. If you are, if one of your lenses is suffering from that, you can mm. just get like you know when you go to rock concerts and they mm. give you that band that you get or those charity bands that you get that you wear around your wrist. They're like oh, yes. bands, but yes. they're really, they're much stronger. And it says like, "Make Poverty History" or whatever. Those ones mm. wrap one of those. Like if you say you're doing tabletop photography and you're only you only have a zoom lens and it has a bit of lens creep, but it might not be a lot, but enough to be annoying if you're trying yes. to do 50 products it keeps slipping slightly yes put one of those rubber bands where on the lens and it'll not on it'll your wrist on, on, <laughs> you wear the rubber band that says you know make love not war and uh it just or stay happy be positive and it just stops you getting angry at everyone while you <laughs> No, where do you put it where do you put it on the lens val and uh-huh. it locks the lens into focus Oh. Stop it from creeping down. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. How did you discover that? Uh, so let me see. That was a blog post. I have to give credit to, I read Sarah Hipwell, I think the right, name was. Right. I have to find the right one because she had like a list of like 20. I've, I've actually shared this blog in uh, other episodes of the podcast. Oh. I haven't mentioned this particular thing, so I'll I'll find it and, and put it in the show notes. But it's a good trick, isn't it? Yeah, great trick. For lens creep. Mm. And no. um, it'll help you bits. The lens creeps sounds like a band you would go and see. Yeah. You, I don't know. I'd go and see the lens creeps. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so then. When you're checking the zoom, the zoom action itself should be quite smooth. Yeah. So you notice that there are parts that stick or it doesn't quite, it's not as, as smooth mm. an action. You might want to be aware of that because, again, it's like if the lens is a bargain, then mm. you think it's $400 to repair. It's not worth um, buying. It's like um, when your hips get creaky as you get older. Well, if you just went to the beach like <laughs> Wouldn't be an issue, would it? But like you know, it's gonna happen once. You got to keep going. Going well. Okay. You wouldn't stop complaining. Um, The next one (laughs) that you need to look out for is uh, the contact points on the lens. So they're like uh, they're usually gold, and they're the points that when the lens connects to the camera, that's how the camera and the lens talk to each other. Yes. Yes. So, Dave, we're zooming out now. Zoom out, zooming out, focusing here. They talk to each other. Got it. Those contact points um, get 
guff muck on them. So if the person who's looking after had the lens before you mm. didn't keep the caps on, left mm. them like lying around like that, then they're going to attract, you know, guff and dust. Then when you try and attach the lens to the camera, it's not going to work as well. It's like it, when communication breaks down in a marriage. It's the same thing. Mm. And so you can get the, the therapist in. Mm. But it's very expensive, Val. <laughs> and in the end, you just get divorced because it's, it's like it's not, it doesn't work. So you, you want to like not get to that point. Yes. Keep your contacts clean. Okay. okay. So mm-hmm. another good thing to remember is when you're um, getting, a, just, a, just as an afterthought, when you're buying the stuff from someone, ask them if they have the owner's manual. Oh, yes. Because it's just a pain having to print it offline. Yes, very useful, yes. Um, All right. And lastly, Val, you want to check that there isn't – that the sensor is in good condition and then there's no scratches or permanent damage. Like, I don't know, some people try and um, clean the sensor themselves. So there there is a way that, like, you can – Put the take the lens off the camera and look into it and get the mirror to lock up so that you can actually see the sensor mm. and you can have a good look and inspect it like maybe with a magnifying glass and make sure that there aren't any like divots or grooves or anything like you know really bad on it because that'll never come off and it'll affect all your photos and then find and this is what I did with your camera when I bought it find mm. a plain wall and uh, photograph it at F22 at ISO 100 mm-hmm. and then put that, uh, load that image into your computer and have a look at, at like 100% and you'll see any dust and guff that's on the sensor. Great and tip. Like covered, mm. covered and it's disgusting. Mm. It's like there might be spots that are, are like are permanently there and you'll never be able to get them off and so that you'll be disappointed. But if there's just like a couple of little spots, mm. that's fine. You can you can clean those and, and deal with that. So um, Great yeah. tip. Plain wall, F22, ISO yeah. 100. Yeah. So awesome. um, maybe bring a tripod for that if it's not, um, you know, if it's night time or something like mm. that. The other thing to do is focus at infinity. Uh, if it's a blue blue sky where you are, and just take a shot of uh, a patch of sky. Mm. And awesome. Same, so something like that. Yeah. So that's that's buying used gear. Wow, that's mammoth, but such useful information. Such a great checklist to you know be aware of. So I hope. I hope you've got a lot of out of this uh, week's episode because it's certainly really handy, especially if you are going to buy. Well, whether well, if you're buying new, you can use Gina's negotiating skills, her negotiating <laughs> techniques. If you're buying secondhand, which is more likely what I'll be doing, uh, definitely some really good tips in there. Awesome. So before we wrap up this week, Gina, what um, will you be doing in the coming week? So a couple of big shoots coming up, lots more. Still um, footballers for some reason, Val. Oh. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, I'm working on um, some retouching. Lots to do. Val, what are you doing? 
I will be organising our upcoming trip to the Philippines. You uh, and I are right. going to <laughs> the Philippines. There's a lot of travel coming up, Val. Yeah, it should be fun. And yeah, we're going to do some shooting there. We're going to do some filming there. Yeah. We're going to be creating part of uh, a course there. Um, and I'll also be helping you putting some finishing touches on what will be your new website. It's not out yeah. yet. And yeah. what will be um, an area for the So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. So sure. um, where you can get access to tutorials and um, a membership site and also uh, access My to... My negotiating skills going on there, Val. <laughs> yes. And also yeah. access to, to Gina and her negotiation. No. Um, <laughs> and access to Gina for photo critiques and stuff like that. But it's really fun. I'm really excited about uh, the new membership community that we've got coming up. We can't yeah. wait to tell you guys all about it. Um, it's still a work in progress, but it's going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited about it. So uh, where do we find you online, Gina? Uh, I'm at ginamilitia.com and you can find me on Twitter at ginamilitia, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A and Instagram, same. <laughs> and you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O. And uh, you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm easy to find on Facebook. And also a shout out to Ian. Um, I, I'm assuming you're listening in. Um, thanks for your comment when I posted my photo of the seaplane recently. Uh, Ian said, Gina Militia would be proud. Not, yeah, it was not, one, not one cat or cup of coffee in sight. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Ian anyway thanks so much for listening everyone talk to you next time thanks guys thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer for more information free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer visit GinaMilitia.com